0: Monster, or no, I'm sorry, uh, man eater today, and I thought of you, Katie.
1: What's what, whoa? <laughs> here whoa, she comes. Here she comes. <laughs> Why, notes, me? Yeah. Why me? Why me?
0: Because you sang that um on one of our episodes, like.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, I'm I don't sure know. You remember? You just
0: you just sang it really quick on one of the episodes, and it's getting worse,
1: do. man. Because like, I'll just be at work, and I'll be like, I'm bonus working for the weekend. Like people are trying to avoid me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm it's like, like, oh my god it's a theater kid no. this is stream of
1: consciousness how did consciousness she get in here yeah. <laughs> of really bad songs it's so bad
2: oh girl I had uh, Backstreet Boys stuck in my head for like three weeks yes sorry
1: no I get sorry. it every my my song is I want it that way stuck in my head Oh, I get that one and
2: uh the other one Backstreet's Back no, they sound exactly the same. What
1: is the other one? I want one? it that way,
2: and I don't know. That's okay. <laughs> I just got it out. Why did I mention it? I damn it! I don't
0: know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know what their others because another slow song, right?
1: Yeah, it's like uh, now it's gonna Even kill me. If I could, so bad. It's possible, as hey, say <laughs> Quit playing <laughs> games with my heart be my That's not it, but that it, it sounds exactly
2: the same. As long as you love me? No! As long as love, you me
0: love me.
2: Tell me. me. <laughs> Tell me
1: why. No. <laughs>
2: yes, uh, th- it was that that's... one.
0: Oh no, that, that is the same. Is it? They no. They're all, all the,
2: the fucking same.
0: same. Yeah, it's true it's, it's gonna, that's
1: that's gonna be my that's in to be my very different <laughs> rival bands
0: oh oh, oh, oh shit. shit i'm sorry just just gonna go die right now yeah oh my god i can't believe i got that wrong i could just die right now
2: <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> omg
0: and speaking of things dying welcome to under the pendulum <laughs> i'm chris <laughs> There's going to be a lot of that Mm -hmm. this episode. Mm -hmm. Yay. (laughs) And uh, here, as always, is Heather. Hello. And Caitlin from LA. (laughs) (laughs) Frankenstein's monster. I am a a goblin in the
1: closet. (laughs) (laughs) Alpha waves from Caitlin. (laughs) Total relaxation.
0: Oh, so you're not gna- you're gnawing on a bone. Yeah, so that's that's what that sounds. Like.
1: I was wondering what you were doing
0: with that bone.
1: I, <laughs> I still think golem gnawing on that fish is like one of the most appetizing things I can think about. Like a, a live fish from
2: straight from the water. Yeah,
1: it's in the beginning. It's like Kate Blanchett's like talking about, and then one
0: creature.
1: Gollum. a and you like see it in meat through the teeth
0: you know I will say when I watch a nature documentary and bears are eating the salmon it looks good it does I I don't know I don't know if it's the orange eggs just pouring out like uh, little balls we were watching the thing about
1: like mm -hmm. really rare Japanese gardens and fish and the whole time I was going yum 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 (laughs) yum (laughs) yum
0: Uh, so we appreciate everyone being understanding and patient with us as we're getting this episode out late. Um, but today we'll be diving back into the life of Mary Shelley, author of Frankenstein, and her story doesn't get any better from here. Quick yep. triple so, quadruple yeah.
1: backflip and d- back into this story. Oh, yeah. yeah. Taking a bite out of this Dagwood <laughs> sandwich that is Mary Shelley. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just it's gonna it's gonna not be fun in this one. This just one's my favorite thing sad. to hear. I mean, yeah. the last one was pretty sad too. But yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought Women's Month would be like happier. You did. I don't know why. I don't know why I thought it'd be happy. <laughs> I just started
1: my period in Women's Month, so really, it's I feel like be. I'm a hundred percent there now. Yay! With it, with it.
0: Damn.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Get it done. <laughs>
0: So, yeah, I guess we'll, uh, you know, we have a lot to cover, so we'll just jump right in. Um, my main source for this episode is Daughter of Earth and Water, a biography of Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley by Noel B. Gerson. Gerson.
2: That, that's my name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this is the one that, you know, is obviously written by a guy, so it's got a little bit of different interpretations. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll I guess we'll kind of discuss those as they come up.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: So, you guys ready?
2: We
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Strap into your sad shoes, kids. It's
1: oh, don't worry. I was born. Oh, I've been wearing yeah, them all my life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was born with sad shoes. I had
1: to like explain the concept of memento mori to a bunch of girls today, and I was just like, "Oh, like, you... in fine. the middle of it." I'm like, no, "Do you want it... me to stop talking? Is this bumming everybody out too much?" Kind of thing. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I do that a lot too.
1: Yeah, <laughs> fascinating.
0: Yeah, I mean, thank God there's really polite people out there who, you know, they'll just let you ramble on until you figure it out yourself. <laughs> just
1: tire yourself like, out. Oh, talking. oh, you're
2: not, you haven't smiled in about 20 minutes. Okay, I'm yeah, I'm ta- up. <laughs> I know I've been talking about antique furniture for the last hour, but you know.
0: Oh, hey, you've been inching to the other side of the room. <laughs> yeah, <huh>?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you've had your hand on the doorknob for a while. What's that all about? <laughs>
0: yes so when we last left Percy Mary and their two children Clara and William they had left England for Italy they had along with them Mary's stepsister Claire and her and Lord Byron's illegitimate child Alba or Allegra as I'll be referring to her Um, I think Allegra was what um, Byron wanted to name her
2: yeah I think so
0: so the party arrived in Milan on April 4th 1818 They moved into an English colony that was settled there, and though they sometimes participated in local Italian customs, they were still members of Imperial England, so they usually stuck to their English ways, food, and dress. But they were, however, enchanted by all the sights of beautiful natural views and historic buildings and ruins.
1: Hey, Kate, you've been to Italy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I sure have. I've been yelled at by a lot of Italians, given... The stink eye and had some great pizza
0: <laughs> I guess that's that's the Italian experience oh
1: and don't must don't be... forget to pet some stray dogs and get ringworm <laughs> <laughs> that must have been Mary's experience I'm guessing no though. Italy is like yeah it's life-changing wonderful poetic beautiful inspiring place
0: you go for the pizza you stay for the ringworm exactly
1: <laughs> or the rings stay with you
0: hmm <laughs> <laughs> So Mary was a bit more malleable to the culture of the Italians. Um, she enjoyed the food and even learned some Latin before they left England, which would really serve them well in the years to come. So oh, they then, oh yeah, dude, yeah. There's actually like a story which I didn't put in here, but um, Shelley would um, Percy would carry around a gun, and uh, you couldn't really do that in, in I guess where they were in in Italy. Yeah. So they arrested him. And Mary had to like come and like plead with the judge to like not lock him away and that he was just like, he's English and dumb. He doesn't know. Um, oh, Percy. So, yeah. So they let him go. They didn't give him back the gun, but they gave <laughs> the ownership of the gun to Mary. So wow. anytime, yeah. And anytime Shelly wanted to use the gun, he like had to ask Good. Mary for it.
2: Yeah. I so, guess, so I like, guess we did hear about that gun earlier. Uh, you know, before Shelley left, uh, Mary left her her home. Oh, know,
0: that's he, right. Yeah, she he came in. He, her he room. came in waving it around.
2: Yeah, yeah. no access for mm. him yeah. to oh, No, Percy. no.
1: <laughs>
2: Put a child lock in that cabinet. You can have a pepper
1: garbage. spray spritzer or something. I don't know what they had back then. Perfume <laughs> bottle.
0: <laughs> so they then went to Lake Como, north of Milan, near the Swiss border. And if you ever see, like, pictures of it, it's a, a large lake surrounded by mountains and forests. It's, it's like, really beautiful. Um, so it's definitely a place, like, probably would have wanted to stay. Um, yeah. So the Shelleys knew they wanted to be there for the summer, and they began looking for a house. But they couldn't find the right one, so they returned to Milan for the time being. And Claire was in great distress, as things with Byron were growing more bitter. Shelley found himself in the middle of it, corresponding with Byron on how to work out the issue of Allegra. Byron was in Venice and refused to correspond with Claire at all. Ugh. And he, yeah, he was just like, nope, not talking to you. Nope. Jerk. Yeah. Yeah, Byron's a, a fucking dickhead. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he also said that he would take the child, raise it, and provide financially for her, but Claire had to relinquish being in the child's life forever. Jesus. And yeah. Yeah, th- like this just really shocked Mary and Shelly. Um, yeah, and they're just like, dude, what the fuck, man? And and Claire was really crushed as well. But she began to kind of consider the idea, even though Mary and Shelley tried to convince her not to agree and to give Shelley more time to work it out with Byron. Um, but in the end, Claire acquiesced and she sent Allegra to Venice. And oh. Mary was pretty devastated, having grown attached to the little to the little girl. Yeah, and Claire was just kind of like, well, I, you know, maybe Byron will change his mind someday. Uh Yeah. Yeah, she just kind of...
2: Yeah, and he had the money and probably could provide for her a lot better. I'm sure that was a very hard decision.
0: Yeah, I mean, she was definitely not, like, very responsible or or really independent at this point, you know.
2: No, she never really would be.
0: Yeah, not really. Yeah, we'll get to what happens to her, you know, towards the end of her life. But, yeah, I mean... She never really gets it together. Yeah. So with housing affairs having fallen through at Lake Como, they set off for Pisa, where they could get a small house for cheap. They settled in the seaside town of Livorno, or Leghorn, south of Pisa. Shelley and Mary did not find the city particularly attractive, but Maria Grisborne lived there. She was a friend of Mary Wollstonecraft and a kind of godmother to Mary. So the two struck up an intimate relationship, and Mary finally had a mother figure that she could confide and trust in. Maria's husband, John Grisborne, was a quiet, unassuming man who the Shelleys did not particularly like at first, but over time they grew fond of him as well. And the Grisborns also had a spoiled son, Henry Reveille. I think it's Reveille. Reveille.
2: Henry (laughs) Reveille. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and Mary disliked him um, but Shelly kind of struck up a friendship through their mutual interest in science and boating and he'll play uh, <laughs> kind of a big role in it later yeah
2: that's a funny combination
0: of
1: why interests. why why do so many people that are interested in boats seem like the douchiest people in the world and like being on boats are fun but like wearing those like loafers and polo shirts like I just feel like that's just a Boating slash douchebag uniform, so maybe he was douchey like that too.
0: Yeah, I think boating's fun every once in a while, but like if it's all you do, then you're just kind of lying to yourself. That is fun. Then you
1: just want to <laughs> get away, and you're su- you know you're suppressing something so hard. Yeah. That <laughs> only the only the open sea can help you with. It doesn't, it doesn't judge me. Judge me. I love <laughs>
0: It splashes like <laughs> salt water in your eyes and shit. <laughs> I deserved it. <gasps> <laughs> uh. So, one thing that they liked about Leghorn was that English was more widely spoken and understood. Claire got into some social circles with the English expats in, La- in Leghorn, which allowed her to get her mind off her troubles and gave Marion Percy much needed time alone.
2: Finally. Gosh. Oh,
0: I know, dude. Just get the fuck out of the house.
2: Yeah. Leave already.
0: <laughs> so the Grisborns helped the Shelleys find a small villa in the Apennines at Bagni de Luca, north of Leghorn. And they stayed there for nine weeks. And for the Shelleys, it was pretty peaceful and, and mostly uneventful. Uh, they were able to resume their normal routines of reading, walking, and writing. Uh, Mary began to work on a new novel about an interesting woman of the Italian Renaissance an interesting Renaissance. woman <laughs> Renaissance <laughs> <laughs> an interesting woman of the Italian Renaissance uh Beatrice Sensi <laughs> and began intensive research on the woman
2: You want to go Yum. to the Renaissance fair
0: <laughs> Oh I want to go to that Renaissance like food fair right now <laughs> Renaissance. <laughs>
1: Renaissance Renaissance mm-hmm.
0: mm. Beatrice (laughs) Scentsy Sandwich Mm. (laughs) So, Mary eventually became disinterested in this project and turned over her research and notes to Shelley who would later use them for a dramatic poem called The Scentsy In mid-August of 1818, it seems that Byron had grown tired of having Allegra around already so he put her under the care of a British consul and his wife, the Hopners
2: Fucking shocked. I'm so surprised that that happened. You bore me, oh child.
0: You know, I thought having this kid would be cool, but she's really your fucking- cries- She's bummer. She's a bummer. She's like
1: a baby, you know? Your cries have become bothersome, child. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have your... no
1: more- no- I have lost all your nookies. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I shan't not look I for them. I shan't find them this time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I sold all your biddies.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so Shelley went to visit Byron and tried to persuade him to end this foolishness and allow Allegra to be with Claire. Uh, Byron said he would consider it, but he would allow Allegra to visit only if Mary and Shelley were present. So they agreed, Jeez. and Allegra went with Claire and Shelley uh, to visit with them for a time in Pisa. Or I guess Leghorn.
2: And she must have been like not making a great impression on people she met.
0: Like, oh, Claire? Yeah. I yeah. wonder if it was
2: about like just like Mary distracting Claire from from like talking to Byron or if it was just the fact that she just was not responsible.
0: Uh I think it was it was that and I think she, like she just always held out hope that like her and Byron would work out somehow and I think yeah. that like I don't know. I think people Thought her like really naive and annoying, you know, kind of thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't know.
2: Yeah, two hundred something years later, I still think that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, dude, it's just you just like never let it go, man. Until like shit was really fucked, and then yeah, you know, then she kind of realized it. But, dang, yeah. So Mary set off at once to join Percy at Byron's estate, bringing along her two children, Claire and William. On the way there, Clara became afflicted with a bad case of dysentery. Woo!
1: <laughs> you died of dysentery. That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> 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 you know, that's like a worse way to die. Yeah. I just saw like you know when someone like you know soft serve out of an ice cream machine. That's what I think when I when I hear the word dysentery. Oh,
0: of dysentery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. That's and it does have accurate. sprinkles too. Yeah. <laughs> so Clara grew steadily worse until they finally found a physician that seemed to help Clara improve a bit they still needed to make it to Venice to meet with Byron and Mary insisted that she go along to help with the negotiations but she was apprehensive about leaving Clara in such a fragile state so she took Clara along and left William with Claire when they reached the halfway point to Venice Clara took another turn for the worst
1: they're like keep your poopy butt out of (laughs) here
0: There's poop everywhere. Oh, God.
1: (laughs) Unbefitting of a lady.
0: (laughs) So they stopped when they reached their hotel in Venice, and they quickly found a physician. But Clara's health continued to to decline. By mid-afternoon, she was convulsing and frothing at the mouth.
1: Oh, my God. The doctors
0: could do nothing for her, and by the end of the day, little Clara had died. She was just over one year old. One years old.
1: Wait, Clara? She
0: dad
1: the little baby Mary's Mary's baby oh my god the baby oh I thought it was Claire for some reason but it's Clara it's a baby not the annoying one yeah (laughs) shit
0: No, no no Claire will stubbornly hold on for many many years so you know the Shelleys were obviously devastated and they buried Clara in Lido
1: man what a shitty way to see a kid go Mm. Oh, I know, just suffering and ugh. It's yeah. like watching them die of yeah, really or something. Yeah, it's really
0: Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. gosh. Yeah, I mean, and that's already, you know, after she already had one miscarriage and, you know. Yeah. Man. So Mary tried to keep from falling into her own despair by writing and reading, and she wrote in her journal one entry.
2: This is the Journal of Misfortunes. Mary Shelley.
0: Her sorrow became too great for her, and she withdrew inwards. She was unresponsive except towards William, her little son, and opted to suffer alone. Mary worked on several melancholy poems, and he tried to comfort his wife, but their despair seemed to be theirs alone for the time being. And this would put kind of a great strain on their marriage, uh, because either didn't really know how to help one another, and because Mary was the strongest one in the relationship— uh, she was in deep despair, and it was hard for either to really comfort each other um, that autumn in
1: 1818. Yikes. Yeah. That's yeah, it's,
0: yeah, they're both just kind of grieving and just can't really comfort one another. It's, it's, yeah, it's really...
1: <laughs> I sold our, rough, all, all of our shoes. Aren't you mad at me? No. No, not this time. <laughs> 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 I got shot in the leg by a debt collector. Oh, that's fine.
0: And he just ends up poking <laughs> her. He's like, Mary, 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 Go you okay? Now. I
1: must sleep some more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the Shelleys went on ahead to try and conclude the negotiations with By- uh, with Byron, but he hadn't wavered in his terms. And, you know, with everything going on, they just became really disgusted with Byron. And Mary even made a scene at a dinner with Byron and his new lover, mm-hmm. refusing to dine with the woman.
1: Oh, good. Good for you, girl. She needs some. Yeah, Mary. Mary
0: never really like hid her, her dislike of Byron.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, how could you? He was kept fucking piling it on, piling it on. He didn't give a shit.
0: Yeah, but you know, Byron and Percy would always kinda be friends for the for the rest of their lives. He was like a celebrity, so it
1: was fine.
0: Yeah, I mean, and they (laughs) well, they had known Byron for a long time. Mm Yeah, it's. So, I don't know, he was kind of like the this asshole friend, you know, that uh, you kind of put up with. Yes. Yeah. So, by November of 1818, Mary and Shelley were still recovering from the loss of Clara. They had mended the rift that had come between them and still tried their damnedest to get Allegra. They convinced Byron to let Allegra stay with them for a little longer as the weather was cold. They then decided to go see Bologna and then spend some time in Rome. They stopped for a short stay in Naples, which had wonderful sights, and they bought a carriage and a team of horses um, just for sightseeing during their stay. Naples
1: rules for oh. sure, yeah.
0: Hell yeah,
1: hell yeah. Definitely yeah, they, they a showed up in city. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, they were just like this fucking city's really cool, and they, uh, I mm-hmm. mean, basically all they did was sightsee um, during their whole stay.
1: Yeah, I cool. I 100 yeah, would they'd... go back to Naples if I was going to back to Italy.
0: Yeah, dude, I want to go so bad, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, really.
0: So it is here in Naples that a minor event occurred that would later explode out of proportion.
1: Vesuvius? (laughs) Ah. (laughs) 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 Too late.
0: So they had employed two servants in their home, Elise, who was a nursemaid, and a man named Paolo who was a coachman and did other various tasks. So Elise came to Mary one day and told her that she was pregnant and that Paolo was the father.
1: Of course, all in an opera style, right?
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, (laughs) but he's the father of my baby. No, exactly. No, (laughs) no, So, Mary insists that they get married, um, most likely, so Paolo can't, like, bitch out on her.
1: Hell yeah, yeah no you know. server mine's gonna bitch and, at him. Nuh-uh.
0: Mm-hmm, you take care, you <laughs> clean up your mess. <laughs> you
1: clean up your mess.
0: Yeah, so so they do get married, and Mary lets them go, um, just because it's kind of, you know, she's just like, yeah, it's kind of, you guys go deal with that somewhere else. go nice yeah.
1: before I beg you to stay. <laughs>
0: So they didn't think about the couple much after that, but they would reappear a few years later. hmm It was also during this time that a peculiar event occurred. On February 27, 1819, Shelley went to the Neapolitan magistrate and signed a certificate that a baby girl had been born to him and Mary. He was accompanied by two unknown locals. The baby was later baptized with the name Elena Adelaide Shelley. No one really knows why he did this, as the baby was most surely not Mary's, nor Claire's, as some will later say, but we'll talk about that a little later. And one theory is that Shelley, the Shelleys adopted a girl after the loss of Clara, but this isn't just the only theory. We really don't know why
1: Man, um, yeah.
0: this happened. Percy
1: sounds like he does crazy shit like that anyway. Like somebody make maybe <laughs> stopped him in the market and like moved him with an allegory about a fish and a child and like damn, he ended up with a baby.
0: I do what I do.
1: Exactly. It's like Percy, what are you doing with that child? <laughs> I want it at the carnival. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You know, I went out with some friends and had a couple drinks of wine and, and, you know, I don't really know.
2: I know they promised
1: me money.
0: But
2: instead
1: I got a baby girl. Hello, happy birthday.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the Shelleys left Naples the day after on February 28th and they left the baby and some funds with the family. Uh, they may have been afraid to travel with the child and meant to come back for it later, but no one really knows. Elena died not long after from an epidemic that ran through Naples. Oh, my God. And the God. Shelleys never speak of this event again. So, we, yeah, we still don't know, like, what the fuck. I was going to say, like. this will play a role later.
1: It was just a... <laughs> a a meat baby in the shape of a baby, and they just carried it around. <laughs> of charcuterie
0: (laughs) what do they call that when you like buy something and and regret it immediately
1: a buyer's remorse
0: yeah it's a very sad damn I know
1: (laughs) that's the worst that makes me so sad you guys or buyer's morose (laughs) so wait wait real quick (laughs) just so my little heart can stand it how many more babies are gonna die
0: uh well we'll get to that but it's not the last baby that's going to die.
2: Fuck. Yep. Yeah. But we still have William. So, that's good. He's mm-hmm. doing
1: good. He's not a meat baby, <laughs> child. No.
2: He's a healthy boy. He's not an yes, imaginary
1: baby.
0: Which is what's going to make this next part so hard. So they arrived <laughs> and settled in Rome in March of 1819 and they were taken by the city that was the center of the long gone Roman Empire. Shelley began working on his writings again, and Mary was getting a larger sum from Frankenstein than she thought she would. And Mary also took up painting, and she dedicated a lot of time to this each day. Um, Dang. You know, just to get better at it. Yeah.
1: She started her own vintage shop and a plant stand.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the Shelleys had planned to return to Naples in May. Mary found out she was pregnant again, and then tragedy loomed its head once more. Uh. William became very ill and had a high fever. They called on a doctor, and William's fever seemed to subside, only to come back even worse. Mary wrote to Miss Grisborne about her anxieties.
2: William is in the greatest danger. We do not quite despair, yet we have the least possible reason to hope. Yesterday, he was in the convulsions of death, and he was saved from them. Yet we dare not, must not hope. I will write as soon as any changes take place. The misery of these hours is beyond calculating. The hopes of my life are bound up in him. Mary Shelley.
0: (sighs) So William passed away on June 7th, as his parents could only sit around his bed and watch.
1: Oh my God. The Shelleys
0: buried William in Rome, and now childless, began making the move back to Leghorn. So Mary wrote in her journal,
2: Begun july twenty first, eighteen sixteen. Ended with my happiness, June seventh, eighteen nineteen.
0: So they were both devastated after receiving this latest blow. And I mean, yeah, that's it's it was two kids in a year.
1: Yeah. How you many know, yeah. how many more times could you even try to have a kid after that? Like, I don't well, think
2: they she- tried. There's really no contraception. I mean, there was, but I'm sure they weren't using it yeah no it I mean and, and, she,
0: and, and she's pregnant during all like when she loses both of them
2: <laughs> she loves children though so I mean I think she's always wanted to to hold out hope and, and having a family a, a large family with a bunch of kids
1: I know but yeah I, guess I it's think kinda I just think like, after oh, go. oh it's just like being afraid to like put another child through that like a de- like dying like that, you know, sickness and pain and things, you know.
0: Yeah, and and she she'll, she'll, yeah, she'll get tough. very anxious and and almost kind of get I don't know, like like this depressive anxiety, um, you know, after the two kids died about having the third one, you know, she's just like Yeah. I don't know if I can can go through it again yeah. if it, you know something happens. So, Mary wrote to a friend about her misery.
2: We went from England comparatively prosperous and happy. I shall return broken-hearted and miserable. I never know one moment's ease from the wretchedness and despair that possesses me. May you, my dear Marianne, never know what it is to lose two only and lovely children in one year, to watch their dying moments, and then at last to be left childless and forever miserable. It is useless complaining, And I shall therefore write only a short letter, for as all my thoughts are nothing but misery, it is not kind to transmit them to you, Mary Shelley.
0: So, yeah, even Godwin wrote to Mary, giving his condolences and also kind of giving her a bit of advice about her despair. Um, The letter feels callous, but I believe that Godwin, he's kind of speaking from his own experience after the death of Wollstonecraft. Um, but yeah, so here's what he wrote to Mary.
2: Remember, though at first your nearest connections may pity you in this state, yet that when they see you fixed in selfishness and ill humor, and regardless of the happiness of everyone else, they will finally cease to love you and scarcely learn to endure you. Godwin.
0: Yeah, it's kind of, kind of cold, uh say yeah. right after. But, so
1: he's essentially yeah. saying like people are going to feel bad for you now but only for a little bit and then they're going to get tired of you mourning or being a bummer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah if you get consumed by your despair and you know and, and bitterness then yeah like all those who were on your side will, will slowly begin to leave because you're just like unbearable you know despite your how true that yeah. the still is
1: you know. He has a
2: point but he could have said it more gently, you know? <laughs>
0: uh he never had much tact, yeah.
2: No, he sure didn't.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, But she would take this to heart, you know, like m- not right away, but it's definitely something that she would dwell on, you know, later on. Yeah. So Shelley refused to fall into despair again, and he began diving into his work, the Sensi. He planted a garden and tried to coax Mary to help him with it in hopes that maybe this would be beneficial to her. So finally after grieving, Mary decided that she would learn from Clara's death and not be consumed by her grief. So she picked up her journal and wrote,
2: I begin my journal on Shelley's birthday. We have now lived five years together. And if all the events of the last five years were blotted out, I might be happy. But to have won and then cruelly to have lost, the associations of four years is not an accident to which the human mind can bend without much suffering. Mary Shelley.
0: So Mary and Shelley, you know, they picked themselves up and they returned to their routines of reading and, you know, writing and walking. Uh, They read the works of Dante together and Mary went and visited the Grisborns quite often. So William's death seemed to bring them closer together, actually, than tear them apart like Clara's. I think they kind of learned the lessons of being two parents and and losing their child and like kind of how to try to help each other a little more. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I'm sure. You know, it's mm. like either turn further inward or try to support each other, and they're both intelligent. So,
0: yeah, you know, <laughs> we can question Percy sometimes, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's a smart guy. Yes, we guy. can. Yes, we can. He's good. He's good with words. He's he's good with words.
2: Street smarts, not so much.
0: <laughs> so Godwin still wrote asking Shelley for money that he believed he was owed. Shelley, unable to take this yet again, and at a time of great delicacy, wrote an indignant and venomous letter in reply.
2: Dude, Godwin just needs to fucking chill.
0: Dude, yeah, man. I mean, he does chill out, but not for a long did time. Did you
1: read man. the letter? Did you yeah. read it?
0: Um, I did read it. Yeah, it was just I, it would have taken up a little time, mm-hmm. but it was just kind of like, I can't help you. I've already gave you a bunch of money. I'm further in debt from helping you. Uh, you know, every, all these things are just really upsetting. You know, Mary after the death of the baby, just stop being a fucking dickhead. It was like <laughs> basically in in very fancy Victorian language. Well,
1: just to just reiterate, being a fucking dickhead. Just to reiterate, <laughs> like, why would he be giving God one money? Did he like borrow money from him one time, or just because it's Mary's dad?
2: No, it's it's really weird. So. What we covered in the first episode, and it was a little confusing, is that Percy came from a wealthy family. Right. But he kind of, with his beliefs and and just his nature, he somehow got himself, like, booted out of the family and also its wealth. Um, but when he met Godwin, which he looked up to Godwin... Um, he told him that he was heir to a large fortune and that he would try to help him in any way that he could since he was, you know, in financial dire straits and he looked up to Godwin. But he didn't have access to the funds. So that's when we started to see him take out those, um, those loans that would promise money to the, to the loaner or for where he took the loan um, after the death of a family member mm-hmm. who had the money.
0: Yeah, so so like to give, he had given him like, I don't know, 5,000 pounds by this point, but he owed like, oh, I don't know, like 30,000 pounds. Yeah, because um, you have to
2: pay back like up to five times the amount that you've borrowed with those types of loans.
0: hmm Yeah, so. so so he was like, I mean, he was already in debt, but he was in a lot more debt trying to help Godwin. And I think he was just like, dude, you got to get your shit together, you know, kind of. And a letter. So,
2: Yeah. I mean really all it was is probably just like a, yeah, dude, I'll give you I'll give you all the money I can, you know? I'm I'm from a rich family. I'll I'll have this. I'll help you out. It's cool. And Godwin took it more as this young man is going to give me money and help pull me out of my financial situation. He, yeah, promised. And he, he promised. He
0: promised. Yeah, and he, I think he also thought he was owed something because he felt like Percy like stole
2: and um, tore his Mary. family apart. Y- yeah, yeah,
0: basically. So he's like, "You owe me for for the damage of the family," kind of thing.
2: Yeah.
1: Hmm.
2: So it's complicated and and weird.
0: Yeah, it's very complicated. I guess yeah. my
1: last question: If you know, how are are they getting any money from Shelley's family to sustain themselves?
0: Um, mm-hmm. Percy is getting a little bit of an allowance, I believe. Yeah,
2: that's right. His grandfather died, and then his Percy's father. Uh, took him in and agreed to help him settle some of his debts and and give him an allowance. And I think, I think the condition gets, was they had to move back to England for a little while.
0: Something like that. I think yeah. he's also getting like a 100 pounds a year. Okay. So not a lot. Uh, I mean, well, you know.
1: And yeah, I mean, amount. not a ton.
0: Yeah, it's like a couple yeah. grand a year. Yeah, basically. So, yeah, that's kind of where they're at. But I mean, but Mary's getting a little money from Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they're getting money here and there from like other publishing stuff, but you know they're not getting yeah. a lot in. Yeah,
2: yeah, different poems and and things that Percy has published as well. Got
0: it. Yeah, yeah. They they always seem to keep themselves just afloat somehow. Yeah. Um. You know. Yeah. So. And I think I think a lot of that relies on, you know, the kindness of strangers and also like, you know, money taken in from people that respect them as writers you know it's almost sort of like a uh like like a benefactor
2: mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah <laughs> they're always just precariously like on that edge of being totally like Destitute. impoverished yeah 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 and but yeah then some, sometimes they get in a good amount of money and they're like living fine too it's it's
2: they're not very good at managing their money though because like they always seem to to spend the, the money that they get quickly mm-hmm. and land themselves
0: yeah, Mary's a little better with money. Uh Percy's just, you know, trying to get rich or like, you know, invest in something that he hopes is going to be profitable, but it's just like usually it doesn't go well.
2: Buying meat yeah. babies from the market. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> get a free baguette with each baby.
1: Oh. <laughs> I love you, Daddy. <laughs>
0: oh god no (laughs) No. (laughs) so the shelley's decided to move to florence as quote the only physician in italy we trust was going to be there for the next six months so now keep in mind um again that mary has been pregnant through all this and she was actually going to be due in a few months The death of her children gave her anxiety about the new baby, so they wanted to be around their doctor just in case, you know, hence the moving to Florence. Right. So they stopped in Pisa on their move, and there Mary met a woman who would become a good friend, Lady Kingsborough. So she had been a pupil of Mary Wollstonecraft, uh, Mary's mother, and had still kept in contact with Godwin over the years. Um, I believe believe, um, Kingsborough... Or, like, Godwin might have wanted to marry Kingsborough, but she, like, denied him. Oh, I I don't recall. I think they still kind of kept up their friendship a little bit. That's nice. Yeah. So they knew each other through that. Um, So her and her common law partner, George William Ty, went by the names the Masons, and they were established in Pisa. Shelley also struck up a friendship with Mr. Mason, who even suggested a physician in Pisa to Shelley to help him with one of his bouts of illness. So they were a strong and blunt couple who were not afraid to tell people what they thought. So they told Claire that it was important for her and the Shelleys for her to have her own life Mm -hmm. and told Mary that she needed to overcome her anxiety and melancholy before the new baby arrived, lest the birth went badly. So, Mary took this to heart, even though she was kind of shocked by the bluntness, you know, just right after losing her kid.
2: Well, somebody had to say it about Claire, at least, but.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They, yeah, yeah, they were like, they were very like, um, I don't know, mom and pop kind of feel, you know, they, they just were <laughs> like, tell you what to do, but they usually had pretty good advice. Mm-hmm. and Yeah. And they were, you know, really helpful.
2: That's nice.
0: So, yeah, it's not bad. So, on December 31st, 1819, Mary wrote in her journal for the first time in a long time.
2: I have not kept my journal all this time, but I have little to say all this time, except that in the morning of Friday, November 13th, little Percy Florence was born. I now begin a new year. May it be a happier one than the last unhappy one. Mary. Mary.
0: So, Percy Florence was born healthy and with little complications for Mary. She spent much of her time with baby Percy, even neglecting reading and writing for a time. She was just, you know, like, just super stoked to be with, like, you know, have a nice healthy kid for once. Yeah, and, like, God, that must know.
2: have been awesome.
1: Was she, Percy
0: yeah. a boy? <laughs> yes. yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Percy,
0: yep. yeah, yeah. So when she did it, uh, when she did read, it was light reading, which included the works of Livy, who's like an ancient historian, um, <laughs> Byron's Don Juan, some biblical works and a history of Mexico, among other things.
1: Yeah, very, really you light know, history of Mexico. Just some pamphlets. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, God, she's going to join a militia. Jesus.
1: <laughs> no. No. <laughs>
0: She also resumed her lessons of Spanish, as well as the Greek she started in Leghorn. And even Claire had been getting out on her own more, hanging out with the Circle in the English colony. It was also at this time that Shelley foolishly tied up a large sum of their money in a steam engine invented by Miss Grisborne's son, Henry Revelay. And it soon became apparent that the steam engine was becoming a major drain on Shelley's finances. And, you know, Mary's income from Frankenstein and her ability to be frugal saved them from being impoverished after this, like, very stupid move by Percy.
2: Yeah. Why are you investing right now?
0: Well, he was he was just like steam engines on the future. I know, like, Totally. We'll
1: be billionaires. <laughs> oh, <brilliant. laughs>
0: but, like, Henry Ravillet doesn't, like, I don't know. It was just like he shouldn't have invested in him, in that dude. Right. That just, yeah. yeah. Was, it was just a bad no move. way of knowing. Somebody
1: probably knew how to yeah, to, it's very to, true. To sell them. Wordsmith,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they just like they had heard how well steam engines were doing in America, and so they're just like, oh, yeah, we'll get on some of that American money exactly. you know? yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: so Shelley and Mary, uh, they also went back to the old routines of reading and reading and walking as they do. <laughs>
1: So Elise
0: and Paolo, um, now married, <laughs> yep, <laughs> they came to Florence in January of 1820, looking to be rehired as their servants. Mary declined, but she was kind to them and wrote a letter of recommendation to Henry Revelet as he was looking for two servants. And this, again, would not be the last time that the couple appears.
2: They just, like, randomly show up. They're like, hey! Oh, hey, hey!
0: Mm. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I think there were a couple of suckers or something, is that what it was?
0: I think so. I think I yeah. think they uh Yeah. And they then just... they start getting more Yeah, more devious. They, yeah. They're just having like mm-hmm. drunken
1: arguments and like just got one eye closed and like, let's go hit them up again kind of thing. just total <laughs> mess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I get
0: it. Where do you want me to drive you up? I'll drive you anywhere.
1: Give me your keys and I'll drive
0: anywhere. A horse isn't drunk,
2: goddammit!
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Mary began work on another novel that revolved around the Middle Ages of Italy called Castruccio. God, Castruccio. That's yeah, hard. Castruccio? Castruccio?
2: Castruccio? Uh, yeah.
0: Castruccio? Yeah.
2: Castruccio.
0: Castruccio. Castruccio. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. she researched over 50 books and made extensive notes Um, but she again became dissatisfied with it she would however use the research for her future novel uh, *Valperga*, which will be a a very important uh, novel of hers later on yes so by the end of january shelley had new ailments and mary knew that this meant that they would have to move to a warmer climate again because mm. he doesn't fall into these like, oh, I'm just, oh, I think I'm dying, Mary. We, we, we have to go somewhere warmer. Warmer. I <laughs> know oh, yeah. Would
1: you like some tea this morning? <laughs> no! I'm burning time. up, can't you see? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm too hot. We need to go somewhere colder. I need
1: more blankets and less blankets at the same time.
0: that's a good bit that's a good bit so So they left Florence for Pisa and that is where they stayed for the next few years though Pisa had its faults they enjoyed the weather, the scenery and their proximity to the Masons and by late spring they had dealt with many stresses debt collectors had reappeared and made Percy's and thus Mary's lives difficult demanding payments from Shelley Mm. Godwin was also in his own financial straits with debtors and became more pathetic and nasty in his letters to them for assistance.
2: Wow, I didn't even know that was possible.
1: My goodness. Yep. That's a fun sentence. Pathetic <laughs> Please, and nasty. I need money, Ew. sluts. I just, yeah. <laughs> I need money so much and I just ate my own boogers. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh yeah i can't afford and
2: nice meat babies like you
1: i have farted in this jar and have sent it to you there there
0: <laughs> oh, oh you're the king and queen having meat babies every night oh.
1: <laughs> well i send you robbing around italy i send you a cup of soup
0: <laughs> <laughs> and claire was also having more problems with byron um Allegra had been returned to Byron and he was refusing to allow Claire to bring Allegra to Pisa for a visit. Mm-hmm. And Byron was also now living with the Countess Guiccioli. Ooh. Guiccioli. And was and was talking about putting Allegra in a convent school. So Shelley then began corresponding with Byron once again on Claire's behalf. Their compassion however did not lessen the strains and tensions between the two sisters. Despite all this, though, the Shelleys still maintain their routines of writing and reading, seeing the Masons, and going on walks. And walking.
1: Fucking they're out of control, man.
0: Hell or high (laughs) water, we will read, walk, and write.
1: Fashion week's over, all right? Take it easy. (laughs)
0: Life is the runway. You never stop. (laughs) So, Percy got news from London that no theatrical manager would produce his work, The Scentsy. But the Mm -hmm. poem was published and had mostly good reviews, though many attacked him for his lack of morals and his atheism. Mm. Yeah. He still sent out his new work, um, Prometheus Unbound, to the publishers in hopes that it would fare much better and actually bring in some money. But he was once again personally attacked for being a moral degenerate.
2: Yeah, Yeah, his reputation wasn't great already, so I mean... I imagine anything he writes from here on out's just not going to be well-received.
0: Yeah, and it really sucks because, I mean, like, I, you know, yeah, he kind of, I mean, bad reputation was his own fault in, in some ways, but, like, yeah, I don't know, man. That was what he did. He was a writer, and he just, you know. Yeah.
2: He wasn't was as pretty too. as Byron, so.
0: That's true. Eh. He's yeah. like,
1: I don't believe in God. That's what I do.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and then I write about
0: it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> wrong time, buddy. Wrong time. I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> and in June, another matter reared its head. Mm. Paolo came back, their old coachman. And he contacted Shelley to inform him that if Shelley did not give Paolo a large sum of money, that he would reveal things about the Shelleys to the world.
1: In an opera.
0: So they. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> you fucked your sister. You fucked your sister. <laughs> <laughs> so they uh, the Shelleys went to stay in Leghorn at the Grisborns, who were in London at the time. And in Leghorn is where they would try to settle things with Paolo. Paolo had made it clear that he was going to spread the rumor that Claire had given birth to Shelley's baby, and Ooh. this would re- uh, further ruin Shelley and Mary's reputation if it got out. Um, and many think that you know the baby that he, the meat baby that he he got. Some people actually think that that was actually Claire's baby. Um, like even today. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's well, one I'm of the sorry. theories. I'm sorry. What was it, meat it baby's name?
1: Been. I feel so bad for calling her meat baby
0: uh alena uh, alena Elena adelaide elena, or adelaide adelaide Poor baby. elena adelaide Poor thing. No. or meat baby meat
1: baby. <laughs> or human shield no,
0: yeah i mean <laughs> the the author um of of this of my source he, he makes a good point that um you know had had claire been pregnant Mary would have known because they that's spent true. so much time together that's and very true. Mary would have probably mentioned it in a journal because Paolo was saying that um, they had a baby and Mary didn't know about it kind of thing. Oh yeah that's so not happening. it seems very unlikely and you know the author also makes the point that um, Claire wasn't even really interested or, or didn't even say you know he she just seemed very disinterested in the child that they purchased the meat baby. Um so that's another thing. If it actually was her baby, <laughs> I think she probably would have made more of a stink.
2: <laughs> no take baxies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so um so they hired an attorney and silenced Paolo with the threat of legal consequences if he went ahead and, and, and you know, spread these rumors. And this would not be the last time uh, that they hear from him, however, as his wife, Elise, was still free from the attorney's gaze. But we'll come back to that. Dude, I know. They're just fucking assholes. This is
1: the two. These are the two servants that one got knocked up and then they had to get married and then they were sent away. Mm -hmm.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they're both pissed that they got fired. But I think Paolo is angry that they made him marry Elise so that he right. wouldn't like try to run out Maybe on her and... and
2: then they wouldn't hi- rehire them either when they tried to. yeah yeah
0: that's right yeah
2: they probably took yeah. it personally yeah. yeah
0: exactly so then they, yeah they began like plotting to get the revenge on them one way or another yeah, that's
2: awful gross it's so stupid
0: yeah i mean it's also trying to get money you know like trying to extort money from them yeah
2: everybody's trying to get all this money from them that they don't fucking have I don't I just, <laughs> it's, no, it's so crazy. Funny.
0: <laughs> it's like they're not byron dude they don't have like just tons of money man <clears throat> no yeah so things with godwin had been worse as well he continued to hound them for money and he got more desperate so shelly had to once again lay things out in no uncertain terms that he could not help him as they were also in financial problems with debtors And it was too much for Mary, and she became distraught with the unkindness of her father, as well as the thought that her father, the once great intellectual and teacher, would be destitute. Uh. So Shelley intercepted all of Godwin's letters and showed Mary none that were about money or his circumstances, and Mary had agreed to this. Um, And it would be a while, but Godwin would not upset Mary again with these matters. Yeah. So
1: Mary's essentially being like, he can figure it out. He needs to stop doing this to us.
0: She, yeah, she, she she sides with Percy, you know, and that yeah. like, we, oh, she we feels can't, bad we, for we her can't. dad. She does, yeah. And it, and it makes her feel pretty, you know, it, it messes her up, you know. But yeah. She's torn. She, she ultimately is like, yeah, dude, we, you know, I'm on your side. And like, if you could just not show me those letters where he's being a dickhead. That'd be cool. thanks,
1: I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, funny. if you can't afford it, you can't afford it, what can you do? That's you know, yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, you can't
1: be going to your parents or vice versa, your parents coming to you all the time, you know, you, you just simply cannot mm-hmm. support people, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. For sure, that's, what yeah, he was and expecting. I mean, every time. yeah, and every time they help him, he just somehow gets himself enough. into, yeah, yeah, it's it's never enough, you know, like he just somehow like he runs through it really quick, and he never he never puts himself on like a secure path to you know to like that kind of like financial independence mm.
2: yeah <clears throat> that's ugh. yeah yeah he's not he's not a great guy yeah
0: He's
1: too bad yeah
0: yeah he gets a little better later on but that's you know good. i think old age that can sometimes happen with old age you know mellow
2: you out a little bit
0: yeah especially yeah. <laughs> the fuck out
2: yeah for sure
0: so in October of 1820, Mr. Mason got Claire a position as an English tutor in Florence. So she went back to the city and in, into her old social circle. And the Shelleys were super stoked about this because, you know, they were alone and they had the house to themselves and like, yes, Claire wasn't nice. there. <laughs> just like, hey, Mostly what are you Claire. guys doing? <laughs> Eating all our chips and <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, we'll fucking live under a bridge as long as Claire isn't there with us. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. I guess she
0: was like a really bad like housemate too. She was just oh, really sloppy I'll and bet. like didn't help out. Oh, yeah. bet, dude, mm-hmm. well,
2: she ran away with them when she. I mean, she was younger than Mary when she. Yeah, ran yeah, away with she, them. yeah. I
0: think she's she's a bit younger. Yeah.
2: So like, she must have been like, like fit maybe fifteen. So she yeah fourteen probably 15, had something no like real life skills, I mean, you know, back at then, I'm sure you were yeah. all set for life skills, but um yeah <laughs> not her, I think, yeah, it... no, I
0: mean, oh go ahead,
2: oh yeah, she was like her mother's daughter, too, which her mm-hmm. mother was kind of a, a hard to get along with as well, and she wasn't <clears throat> a exactly. Skank a good housekeeper either if I remember correctly I don't she remember. was
0: she was okay like she tried to teach the girls like about yeah. housekeeping and stuff but um you know Mary was like nah I'm a writer and you know and and fuck and, you and, stepmom yeah and yeah. Claire kind of always followed Mary around I mean they yeah. she hadn't really left them since they first went to to Paris with yeah. Percy Oof. I mean she's been with them almost this whole time
2: <sighs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, she she did go back to London for a little while in between them mm-hmm. uh, going to Switzerland, didn't they? Yeah, like, I think she that's did. Where she met Byron.
0: Yeah, but it it always she always just shows back up. Yeah. So Tom Medwin um, was Shelley's cousin and an old schoolmate, and he came to stay with them in Leghorn. They were, however, flooded out of their place from storms and made a hasty move to an apartment in Pisa. Medwin came with them, and he got to know them better. Medwin fancied himself a poet and an intellectual, and he had been an army officer in India. He was not a good poet, and he was a superficial intellectual at best. And <laughs> this unlikely relationship would turn into a good friendship, though Tom would like annoy them constantly with his terrible poetry. Roses are
2: red, violets are blue, Mary's the best, and Percy too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they were saying like he'd write shit like that or you know like or it's just really bad poetry he would just be like my god it's amazing he'd like read it to them all the time they'd be like trying to work and he'd be like oh mary you busy hold on listen to this listen to this this is this is gold this is real gold yes yes and they're just like oh yeah tom
1: (laughs) there once was a man from nantucket Okay, Tom. Oh, yes. Mm.
0: So in January of 1821, the Shelleys befriended another couple, the Williams. Lieutenant Edward Williams had been an officer in the army and served with Tom Medwin in India. Williams was now semi-retired, and he and Shelley shared the same boat of, uh, same love of boating.
2: Boat of loving. <laughs> Dude, awesome. Boat of loving.
0: Boat, the, the is boat. My love, my love, and my
1: lady is the sea.
0: <laughs> yeah, all the dudes are just like that. Boating's their fucking thing, man.
1: That's so weird. Out in the open. Seas. I guess
0: it was just like the thing you did, you know. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah, I guess if you're on the coast or near the coast, it's it's something to do. Uh-huh.
0: Yeah. So Williams's wife Jane was more of a domestic housewife than the independent and intellectual Mary, but the couple soon became fast friends. Um, Mary and Percy had more in common with Williams than his wife, but this was only because she lacked their intellectual sensibilities and pursuits. Uh, she was very musical, however, which they really enjoyed. And they really thought of her as like a kind, warm, and sympathetic person. She, you know, she was an easy companion. Um, but all this would sour in the future, but we'll get to that in the next episode. Someone like
1: yeah. asked her her true opinion about something, and she just raises a tray of cookies really slowly. <laughs> <Huh>?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, life's problems could be solved. With a little love and butter.
1: Exactly, and then she'll sing you a song.
0: <laughs> yeah, like Shelly bought her a guitar and stuff, uh, so she could like, um, play like, when they went out walking. That's you know, fun. like they'd go, they'd all go have picnics, and so like he's like, oh man, you should play some tunes, and bought her like a little guitar.
1: That's so funny. We can't talk to you, but you uh-huh. can entertain
0: us.
2: <laughs> Nerds. <laughs>
0: Anyway, here's Wonderwall.
2: (laughs) No, no.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So Shelley, Williams, and Medwin were making plans for a boating journey along the Arno River. Uh, Medwin had to drop out suddenly before they could solidify their plans. And not wanting to delay their boating expedition, Williams and Shelley began looking for a vessel. So Henry Revele came to them with the news that he could procure a crude sailing boat uh, normally used for duck hunting in the marshes, but it would do just fine for their excursion. Inventor of a steam
2: engine, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) Just saying.
0: (laughs) Yep. So the two men jumped at the opportunity. Um, Mary, on the other hand, was worried about the integrity of the frail boat, but she couldn't really stop them. So Mary had other things on her mind. Her correspondence with her father resumed, and Godwin seemed to take Shelley's brutally honest letter to heart. He mentioned very little, if anything, about his financial difficulties, nor did he harangue her about Percy Shelley.
1: (laughs) You hurt my feelings this time. Hmm.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Mary was also working on a book which would be called *Valperga*, a romantic historical novel about the late medieval figure Castruccio. This venture would prove much more labor and time intensive than the ease with which she had written her only published work at the time, Frankenstein. In mid-April of 1821, Shelley and Williams had the brilliant idea to set sail in Leghorn and sail up to Pisa in the moonlight. As Shelley had never learned to swim, Mary was shocked at the stupidity, so she wrote to Miss Grisborne to help perturb them from their foolish errand. Miss Grisborne, for her part, forbade her son Henry to sell them the boat unless he, he would accompany them. And this was a wise decision, for within an hour of the men's departure, the boat capsized. <laughs> William swam safely to shore, but Henry had to save Shelley from drowning.
1: Help! Help, I'm drowning! <laughs> I'm shivering in the moonlight like a kitty! <laughs> this
0: would be very scary if it wasn't so poetic! <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to write so, about this. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so this event did not dishearten the men, and they worked uh, on their small vessel to make it more seaworthy.
2: Come on, guys.
0: I know they just yep can't take a hint, man. Like none of they're not sailors. None of them are sailors. No, they don't know what
2: the fuck <laughs> they're doing. They don't even know how to make sure a, a boat is seaworthy in the first place they fucking sunk in an hour like
0: yeah i mean they, they on, like guys. they fix it up and they and they take it out um yeah, you know pretty often still. yeah but they're, they're not good sailors you know i
1: don't agree not <laughs> <You have> seamen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so things with claire were worsening <gasps> byron had sent their daughter to a convent school and forbade claire from seeing her The Shelley's tried to persuade Byron to let them take charge of Allegra and rear her in an artistic and intellectual household, but he was not agreeable to this idea. In early August 1821, Byron wrote to Shelley saying that he was leaving Ravenna for Florence, as his new partner, Teresa Guiccioli, was there. Her brother and father had been fighting in the revolutions against King Ferdinand I of the two Sicilies and were deemed rebels. They had fled to Florence, and Byron would be joining, uh, would be leaving to join them. Shelley, wanting to try his luck again at gaining custody of Allegra, left quickly to catch him. But other than these disturbances, life had been pretty tranquil. Wow. Yeah, I know. That's it's good. like, yeah. <laughs> it really upset them because Byron was being a dick, and also they really cared about Allegra. But, you know, I think at some point they were kind of like, oh, this is kind of Claire's it's not problem. Our, not
2: our battle anymore. Yeah. yeah
0: I mean- Percy was trying to help. I mean, he was constantly writing and mm-hmm. to yeah. um, to Byron and stuff, because, but only because he wouldn't talk to Claire. So it was just, yeah. yeah, it was kind of a... But other than that, things seemed like it was pretty chill. So That's Mary cool. wrote this in her journal on August 4th, 1821, which also happened to be Shelley's 29th birthday.
2: Seven years have gone now. What changes? What a life. We now appear tranquil. Yet who knows what wind but I will not prognosticate evil. We have had enough of it. When Shelley and I came to Italy, I said all is well if it were permanent. It was more passing than an Italian twilight. I now say the same. May it be a polar day, yet that day too has an end. Mary Shelley.
0: So Shelley had reached Byron, and they spent some time together. Byron had told Shelley that he received a letter from the Hopners, who had looked after Allegra, and been kind to Mary and Shelley after the death of Clara. The letter disclosed their shock at learning that Claire had had Shelley's baby in Naples without Mary knowing. This was, of course, the rumor spread by Elise and Paolo. But Shelley wrote to Mary and asked her if she could send a letter to the Hopners, squashing the lie and explaining the situation. So what resulted in a hastily <clears throat> what resulted was a hastily written letter, but one of great conviction and earnest love for Percy. Mary told the Hopners of the troubles with her former servants Elise and Paolo, and how the two were seeking revenge over a presumed slight. They wanted to tarnish and ruin the Shelley's reputation, though it was. Pretty ruined back in England.
2: Yeah, it was it was already bad. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, that would have been. I mean, just I mean, but yeah, they always ate up those scandals. You know, they're just oh, like, of oh, course, fuck it, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> they nothing better to do. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so they never heard back from the Hopners, but the matter with Elise and Paolo seemed to fizzle out.
2: Oh, that's too bad.
0: Yeah, yeah, we don't know if like, you know, they. They thought like Mary's letter was was, you know I don't know. I don't know if Mary's letter made them feel bad, like, oh man, I can't believe we we believe these people or if they still believed, you know. Yeah, they just didn't want to be associated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they never really (laughs) they never really wrote back, so (laughs) Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) Cool story, bro. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So, the trip was successful. Byron said he had no intention of leaving Allegra at a convent while he was away, and it seemed that Byron had changed his licentious lifestyle. Shelley and Byron had also made plans to start a new magazine, so they did a lot of shit in this visit. Yeah. So, Byron asked if they could find him a large home in Pisa to rent. Mary was still sour with Byron, and made it clear that she would not be welcoming to him until she was satisfied that he had, in fact, reformed his ways.
2: She's putting her fucking foot down. Hell yeah, yeah she know. Was like,
0: she's like, you're not coming in my house, man. And I'm not going yeah. to yours.
2: She seems to have been pretty passive up until this point. And,
0: yeah. yeah, I mean, she's somewhat passive, but I think it's only just because, like, Percy and Byron are, they're friends, friends you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess as, as much as they could be friends, you know? Yeah. So the Shelleys, after moving around so much, began making plans to settle down in Pisa. Mary found a villa for Brian...
2: Brian (laughs) We're gonna call him Brian now (laughs) Yeah Brian He's a total Brian
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 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 So Mary found a villa for Byron And they rented a large apartment across the street And the Williams rented the apartment below them When Byron arrived It seemed like he had in fact changed a little he treated his new partner, Teresa, with respect, and he was accommodating and listened to her, which he had never done with any woman before. Oh. But Mary still did not like him, nor trust Byron, and she kept her distance as much as possible. She, however, she, however, did not stop Shelly from spending time with Byron. Well, so I was
2: nice of her, I guess.
0: Yeah. He's a fucking just, asshole, though. Like, Oh, I know, dude. He's a fucking horrible piece of shit. Yeah. Mary also took a liking to Teresa after she had been cold and hostile towards her after the unpleasantness with Byron and Claire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because she she was just kind of like, when they had that dinner, she freaked out. She was just kind of like, like, fucking. I am not eating
2: with that bitch.
0: Yeah, (laughs) with that whore. (laughs) As the end of 1821 was approaching, Shelley seemed in better health and spirits, and Mary had finished Valperga. She began the laborious task of copying the book descended off her publication, but the task grew longer than expected as Mary found herself making changes. Shelley was impressed with the work and told Mary that it it would enjoy even more success than Frankenstein. Byron was also impressed as well, and he agreed with Shelley. Mary's utilization of her deep and intricate research had paid off, though Byron did not praise it as warmly as her husband. Mm -hmm. And this was, of course, because Byron had trouble seeing any woman as an equal. Yeah. yep. Yeah. At the beginning of 1822, Edward John Trelawney came into the lives of the Shelleys. A friend of William's, Trelawney was recognized as a distinguished soldier in the Napoleonic Wars. He was an excellent swordsman, sailor, and, and an intellectual and a liberal. Trelawney would later go on to write biographies of both Shelley and Byron. He was also impressed with Mary's intellect, her ability to converse on an array of topics, and her overall genius. Mary also grew fond of their new friend and would converse with Trelawney for many hours. She also knew that Trelawney was the opposite of her, which made him intriguing to her. She liked his company, but did not know enough about him to be confident in her assessment of his person. Shelley had sent Valperga off to a publisher in England with a a glowing review. The publisher, however, declined the book. Mary then had the idea of reaching out to her father. Though he was still in dire financial straits, and Shelley could not afford to send him aid. She sent him a letter asking that if he could get the book published, he could keep whatever money came from the first printing. And this she thought would get it published and help her father while keeping his and Shelley's pride intact. Hmm, so, actually, kind of a smart, smart move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, soon enough, as the weather became more favorable, the men returned to their boating activities. Trelawney helped Shelley and Williams design and build a better boat. And even Byron became engrossed in the talk. He asked Trelawney to design him a boat that was bigger and better than Shelley and Williams's
2: (laughs) (laughs) Fucking douche canoe. (laughs) 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 I
0: I want their boat to look like a little turd on the water. (laughs) So Uh. Jane and Mary Yeah, I know, it's just fucking such a petty (laughs) dick. So, Jane and Mary grew concerned over these talks, as their husbands were not experienced sailors, and this realization made every plan in departure ominous. Trelawney, upon hearing their concerns, told Mary that he would teach Shelley to swim, and this helped, but did not quite assuage her fears. 1822 began with more than the usual difficulties. Although Byron had flipped the bill in getting Lee Hunt and his family to Italy to help with starting the magazine— circumstances with Claire and Allegra would prove tragic. Ugh. Allegra was still at the convent, and in the spring of 1822, Claire had confided into the Shelleys that she planned to abduct her daughter from the convent and run away with her. This would destroy what little reputation she had left and create a great rift between them and Byron, who were planning their venture into the magazine publishing business.
2: Yeah, it would not have been a good move on her yeah. part at all.
0: yeah. But they were all shocked when Byron revealed that the five-year-old Allegra had died at the convent from fever. No one but Byron had even known she was ill. What? Yeah.
2: What the fuck, man?
0: It's just like, sorry, she died. Mm -hmm."
2: She died? I I just didn't think it was important to
1: tell you guys. You don't think that he had her killed or anything, right? No.
0: No, he wasn't, like, that mean. I mean, he wasn't that cruel. You're not going
1: to tell them about it?
0: Sorry, man, she died. Did you guys see my boat, though? (laughs) No, no
1: <laughs> Ew. god Ew. he just
0: pops his byron collar it's just like yeah oh, i
1: i will never bleh, bleh, never consider liking him again for any reason oh
0: <laughs> no I, I still love like some of his writing I, I think he's a great writer but and i don't think anybody else denied it in the story mm-hmm. like even though they're all like yeah he's fucking horrible he sucks but like
1: the right yeah, he's go. good.
0: Good <laughs> yeah, he's a good writer. Yeah, he's, he's fucking good. I think it's why he got away with so much shit, mm-hmm. just because he like was really talented. You know, He was like the poetic darling of England.
2: Wasted on a piece of shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. There is no
1: God. Mm-mm. Yeah, <laughs> amen to that. <laughs> right. yeah, that's what Shelley would say. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so when Mary broke the news to Claire, she went into hysterics. She accused Byron of murdering their child, and that Mary and Shelley had assisted him. Whoa. Yeah, she was just like fucking, oh, fuck all
2: you. Yeah, off the handle, yeah. I guess. Who yeah. could blame her?
0: I mean, yeah. So she calmed down a bit, and Claire surprised everyone by taking up her old post teaching in Florence and refused lodgings with with the Shelleys that Mary had offered. Well. So she just kind of struck it off on her own, man.
2: <clears throat> I good,
1: I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think she, yeah, it was probably just best for her. Yeah, and for everybody. all of those yeah. pri-
1: previous acquaintances were probably, you know, rife with pain for her. Yeah, yeah, Ugh, that's really sad. sad. These kids yeah. aren't doing too well in this story, man.
0: I I didn't realize this was going to be so child death heavy. When yes, we started this.
2: It's it's almost it's like it's like there's a lot of death. Warning warning worthy, like ninety percent
0: of its children.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. I'm kidding.
0: So the Shelleys looked for a summer home to rent in Spezia. They found a home on the bay of San Terenzo called Casa Magni. They ended up sharing... Magni. 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 Casa Magni. So they ended up sharing this home with the Williams. It was also at this time that Mary found out she was pregnant again, Uh which gave her great anxiety after losing two children already.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So Trelawney agreed to master Byron's boat, the Bolivar, and therefore could not be the third on Shelley and Williams's boat, the Don Juan, which Shelley wanted to name Ariel.
1: Don Juan.
0: Yeah, Ugh. yeah. Like, like Byron was like, you should name it Don Juan after my book. Make Don sure Don Juan.
1: Make sure it's extra greasy. Glistens in the sun. <laughs> my boat. My. Well, there
0: should be tits everywhere.
1: And tits.
0: <laughs> They then hired the young sailor Charles Vivian as their third, as he had
1: giant tits. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it must be
2: funny, James, sitting in there right next to you, and you just yell "giant tits" like randomly. <laughs> oh, he's <laughs> used
1: to it, though. You know, I'm yeah. I, I'm a noisemaker. I say. I know. <laughs> it's just funny. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. <laughs>
0: So, so they hired the young sailor Charles Vivian um, as their third, as he had sailed the boat from Genoa to their new lodging in Spezia. So, <laughs> I was just imagining Byron like, "Come here, Charles. Yeah, aren't they great guys?"
1: Spot <laughs> and painful.
0: They feel really realistic. Because <laughs> they are. Like, if you close your eyes, <laughs> you can't even <laughs> tell.
1: Like, the boats have boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Smush them!
2: Smush them together! <laughs> oh, boats need boobs. <laughs> yeah, they
0: do. Pirate boats have boobs most of the time.
2: Yeah, those cool mermaids.
0: Yeah. Hell yeah. Mermaid tooths. <laughs> <laughs> so Trelawney had warned the men that their sail was too large (laughs)
1: large and a charge and (laughs) a looking for
0: chickies (laughs) I'm sorry boys but the tits on that sail are just too large
1: (laughs) it doesn't even make any damn sense no it doesn't
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> oh, so, so after Trelawney oh my God! So, so after told them that the sails were too large and that it would make the boat top-heavy, um, <laughs> they they just they basically ignored it.
1: <laughs> Yo, that back needs some—I mean, that boat needs some back surgery. <laughs> I'm so sorry. She can't live like that. It's,
0: it's so funny because I didn't even think about all these. No, <laughs> writing this. Because
2: it wasn't even a part of the story <laughs> at
1: all. It just. <laughs> okay. I hurt your back.
0: All right. So, yeah, they, they ignored Trelawney. Um, when he's like, <laughs> yo, your boat's fucking yeah. out of whack. Yeah. So the house in Spezia proved to be cramped and in need of repairs, and it was just one more source of irritation. Mary and Shelly began to fight more often and the pregnancy, along with the cramped quarters, was making Mary more irritable and anxious. Um, the Williams had like a bunch of children and they were all like fucking unruly. and
1: Oh, like, running around, you know, bumping but, into shit. Yeah, he's like, Crying. hey. Yeah. Oh, jeez, <laughs> Where's my meat pies, mom? <laughs> yep.
0: So, Claire arrived at the house in early June, and her demeanor had changed. Mm. She was more helpful, cheerful, and amiable than she had ever been.
1: And she stopped talking like this.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I've been taking classes. (laughs) So, this might have also been because she saw what state of agitation Mary was in when Mm. she arrived. So Claire took on many of the household duties and even found a carpenter to come at once and repair the home. Wow. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, taking charge. (laughs) I'm not going to let some man tell me what to do anymore. (laughs) I'm the one calling the shots. So on June 16th, Mary miscarried the baby.
1: Oh, okay. And it was a blessing
0: that Claire was there. Yeah. (laughs) And it was a blessing that Claire was there to attend to her. Um, Otherwise, she may not have survived. And Shelley once again stopped the dangerous hemorrhaging by putting ice on Mary from the waist down.
2: Oh jeez.
0: Yeah. So Claire extended her stay to help Mary recover. When she was finally getting back her strength and mental mental faculties, she found a respect and appreciation for her stepsister that she hadn't had before. When Claire left for Florence once more, they had grown closer than they had been since they were children.
2: Mm, that's nice.
0: Yeah. So bad omens began to infiltrate the home. Shelley started having nightmares of an accident at sea. He would wake up in the night screaming. This greatly affected Mary, who began having her own horrid nightmares of the sea and Shelley. Despite these omens and his ill wife's anxieties, he continued to sail. Shelley worked on the last of his poems, auspiciously called The Triumph of Life. and ignored all the annoyances of the cramped household yeah, (laughs) that Mary was finding intolerable. (laughs) When the Hunts finally arrived in Genoa, Shelley and Williams sailed to meet them and get them settled. Now their new magazine venture could get off the ground. Shelley and Williams bought food and clothing to take back to their families, and after making plans with Trelawney to have dinner back at the Casa Magni, Shelley and Williams set off in Don Juan on July 8, 1822. The captain of the Bolivar, Captain Hook, watched as the men sailed away. He noticed that bad weather was coming and that the Don Juan looked too top-heavy.
1: uh
0: uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> And those tits, and those man. My God, are those tits on there? <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen such a thing. Uh-uh. So Captain Hook watched the Don Juan sail off into the thick fog. And that's where we'll leave Mary for this episode.
2: Oh, it's not gonna be good, no. is it?
0: Nah, <laughs> uh, <no. laughs>
1: nah, man.
0: So boats with tits, huh? Flotation, yeah, nice. yeah. flotation that,
1: devices. That's the one that got us yeah. this time. Yeah.
0: Flotation devices. <laughs>
1: exactly. We'll save them this time. It sounds like. Oh.
0: I feel like that was like a fantasy of all the men just like. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if only boats did have tits. If only. <laughs>
1: They'd stick tits on anything if they could. How can I survive yeah. years or perhaps months at sea? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, so I mean, <laughs> um,
0: yeah. So we, we originally weren't gonna break this up into a three-parter, but I had written like fifty pages. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll be back um, with the conclusion of of Mary's life in part three. <laughs> Woo! <Woo-hoo>! Yep. <laughs> well, so yeah, that was. Really depressing.
1: Yeah, sure yeah, was. It was funny though. Yeah. I mean, fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the last half of her life, or the last part of her life, is super sad. But um, it ends on a sort of bittersweet note.
2: Yeah, yeah. It it gets a little easier, I would say. <clears throat> yeah,
0: it it does. Yeah, I think things get easier, get easier
2: when her. everybody's gone, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
0: A loner just gotta be alone. <laughs> so any any last thoughts before we do socials I don't think here? So I mean Yeah, we're just kind of at a stopping point right now. I think yeah. that
1: my next answer for when someone's like, Oh, if you could meet anybody alive or dead, who would it be? And I'd be like Lord Byron, so I could kick him in the nuts.
2: <laughs> I don't want to get in a time machine so I could
1: go back and kick Lord Byron it, in the nuts. And then That's I want to get back answer. in that time you know? machine and go back to the time I got there and kick him in the nuts again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> some people want to kill Hitler, some people want to stop, you know, John Wilkes Booth. That's
1: a good
2: point, Chris.
0: You want to kick him in the Lord Byron in the nuts.
2: Well, you know. It'd be worth it. Mm-hmm. Worth the trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Yeah, so I guess we should do socials. Yeah. So you can follow us on Facebook at Under the Pendulum Podcast, Instagram at Under Pendulum Podcast, on Twitter at Pendulum underscore pod, and you can find all our episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, or almost anywhere else you listen to your pods.
2: You can find me, Heather, on Facebook, Heather Thomas, Instagram at h.n.thomas, Twitter at Heather W. Thomas. And you can hear my narrations on Creepy Tales to Terrify, Pseudopod, and Chilling Tales for Dark Nights.
1: We're oh, you, and you can find me, Caitlin Weber, on Instagram under frothy stardog.
0: And <laughs> you can find me on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Christopher Weber. <laughs> where did you get th- where did that name come from by the Frothy way? Frothy Stardog I've ever asked you.
1: Well, Christopher it, was it the cartoon? Yeah, you were I, I think I remember. Christopher but, was but there ahead. that <laughs> night because I was like uh I, I I was setting up an AIM account and you were like, What do you want your name to be? And I'm like Frothy Dog, that cartoon. And you're like, Oh, that's already taken. So I said Frothy Stardog, and then that's where it came from. And the same night you set up oh, my email which is lemmywinks nineteen. Oh, Love that's right. wings. Okay. Love you wings. I still some people still laugh when they hear that. It's very funny. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny.
0: So that must have been taken too because you had to put 19 after it.
1: Yeah. And it was the night the episode aired. It was so funny. Wow. Mm-hmm. Dude, gotta move fast, man. Yeah, you gotta yep. move fast. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you for listening, everyone. Uh, We'll be back with part three, and we'll see you next time.
1: Goodbye. Watch those tits and stay out of the water. (laughs)